We'll get back to that. We'll do the draft later uh, as we get closer to it. Right now, we'll do a little baseball uh, with John Smoltz, the MLB uh, network analyst, and obviously the uh, one of the great big game pitchers of all time. John will call Cubs at Red Sox this Friday night. Boy, they can't get enough of that. Cubs at Red Sox. I mean, that's it. I mean, that is it. Uh, that, from a Network standpoint, from a TV standpoint, that is it. That is Shangri-La, the Cubs and the Red Sox. That's the World Series everybody wants. Uh, That will be MLB tonight. The Cubs have picked it up lately and got it going a little bit. They've started to, you know, uh, get everything going. The Red Sox have been pretty good so far. They got the Yankees for a couple of games. So big week. That's a big week up there. You know, they got the Yankees and the Cubs up there. That's a big week up in uh, Fenway Park. And John joins us now. John, welcome. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, it is a big week. It is. It is. Um, first of all, tell me about the Braves who are coming in to catch the Mets reeling right now. And the Mets are reeling. They're banged up. They desperately need to beat on the Braves. What's up with the Braves right now? Well, you know, the Braves are going to be one of those teams. I mean, you know, after the first seven days, everybody was a little like everybody. Every home city is like, oh, this is going to be a long year. And then they won six in a row. But the Braves are going to have their issues. Um winning close games, in my opinion. Once they start doing that, you gain confidence as a team. I don't know if they're going to be able to duplicate the second half last year of their hitting. I mean, their hitting was unbelievable. Well, Freddie Freeman's been unreal. Freeman's a heck of a player. He is. Kemp, Kemp's health is very important to their to their offense. But they're in flux. I mean, they're not a team that's ready to compete. Um, you know, players sense that. They won't admit it. They know it. They brought in some older pitchers to buy time for some younger pitchers. So you know you're going to get kind of production in innings, but maybe not necessarily lockdown kind of games. And, um, you know, baseball has always been to me the timing of when you play teams. And the team you play and beat up in April might not be the same team you play in June or July. And so timing's everything. And as you mentioned, the Mets are, are reeling oh, because really? of yeah. their their lack of health. And they've been playing badly. and Both. They've been bad. A lot of guys have been bad, and they got a lot of guys hurt. And when Cespedes isn't in the lineup, the Mets don't win. They yeah, just don't and it, win. And this is the thing that baseball has kind of moved toward. The Mets are kind of, a, I guess, a fair to, if not good, example of what baseball has become. Home runs, strikeouts, and walks. Home runs, they are the epitome of that. And power pitching and power hitting. Correct. And it's tantalizing when you have the health of your starting pitching because you feel like you could pretty much put anybody out there and grind out a 2 nothing game, but it's not a fair assessment of the staff that they have with their inability at time to just put three runs on the board. They, should, they look great for two weeks, then they look really bad for two weeks because of the, the, what we just talked about. So health for this team, for the Mets, is essential, and they could be one of the scariest teams in baseball, or they could literally be one of those teams you go, man, this is tough to watch. It, it's a dynamic that we kind of dealt with a little bit when we had the run of our pitching. We didn't score a ton of runs. We right. had the feast or famine offense. But our pitching was so good and healthy, it kept us in every game and obviously 14 straight divisions. The Mets are very much a veteran team, except for their pitching. They're now a team because they got a lot of guys who might not even be on this team next year. I mean, I can name six of them right now. I mean, Cabrera, Walker, uh, Duda, uh, Grandison, uh, Reyes, uh, Bruce, all of them. Everyone could be gone. And they could have all new players next year. And, but they're going to have their pitches. They're going to have Cespedes. They're going to have Conforto. So they're now a team, and they're not a young team. Uh, they have a lot of injuries. They haven't hit, which we just talked about. When would you be worried, John? Now, they're 8-11. and 11. No one's going to panic at 8-11. and 11. But how far out in front would get your attention 
from the Nationals. They're six behind in the loss right now. They got them again three games later this week on the weekend. What would be where you'd start to say, guys, we better kind of you know put the pedal to the metal here? Yeah, I think it's interesting because if you think two years ago when nobody gave them a chance and they went on a historic run to second half and just when they got Cespedes and infused that offense and the pitching went crazy. I think you start running the risk of time that you have with these pitchers, right? I mean, I don't yes. know how much time you have. You can't physically keep them all, and physically they haven't been able to stay healthy long enough. So we talk about these windows in baseball, and it's a shorter window. So a, a gap of seven games. Always wanted that week-long kind of good stretch to get back in it. Yes, there's the wild card, but we saw last year, you know, Bumgarner only takes one, yep. one game. And I think the Mets, if they're going to catch the Nationals, they have to survive this time where they got, don't have their healthy players. The, Met, the Nationals, by the way, no one expects them offensively to stay that locked in all year, but they have a solid team. The only thing they that kind of goes – Bullpen. Is their bullpen. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, bullpen is not good. We know that. And and the Mets, listen, they haven't done anything. They haven't caught the ball well. Reyes has been a nightmare. Granderson hasn't hit yet. Uh, Conforto's hit. Bruce's hit, and Cespedes hit some homers when he was for a week in Philly. Other than that, he has done little, so they haven't really gotten it going. So you would say keep within seven games yeah. just to keep everybody in check. Keep within seven games of them right now. Let me ask you, the Cubs have, have moved out in front, and you can kind of sense a confidence in them, but if you look already, that pitching staff's not where it was last year. It couldn't be. It's no way those guys are going to have the year they had. So how do they compensate for what they did? don't get this year from that starting pitching. Yeah, I just felt their overall balance and year-long journey is better than anybody else in that division. So it's not a question of will they win the division. It's a question of, you know, everyone's going to look at how many games will they win. This is a journey. They want to get to the playoffs and then know that they have a formula for the playoffs that's better than most. And they have more depth, and they've created a. I think I think they have a better team this year than they did last year, but I don't think they're going to win more games than they did. Last I agree year. with that. I agree. So well, the pitches were unbelievable last year. They didn't miss any starts, and they all pitched great. That's correct. And and they're going to go to a six man, which it, it is what it is. And they're going to try to stretch out some of the older pitchers because of the workload they've had. But their offensive balance just seems to be too much. They had some games they should have lost already this year. And they were rallying five in the ninth, three in the ninth. They've already come back a couple times. That's just what they have. Uh, their arsenal is better than most. Let me give you the teams that have surprised and tell me which one that you believe in or not. Do you be- Colorado's thirteen and six? Arizona's twelve and eight. The Reds have uh, over five hundred record, which is a big surprise. They're supposed to lose hundred games. What team are you more believing in their start than the other than the other two? I got to say Arizona. Uh, we've seen this with the Rockies. Look, I, I feel bad for the Rockies in this regard. The Rockies are like um, the the Mariners, and what I mean by that, the Mariners have to have a big lead because their brutal schedule. It's unfair. They just their flights, the way they, the, the the territory they have to cover, it just wears on them. Well, the physical demands in that atmosphere in Colorado wears on those players. You see a second half, it's almost impossible to keep up with their going. So, so from that standpoint, they have a little bit of history on their side that they've got to prove they can find a way. Uh, Buddy Black's going to have to make sure that his players you know, don't have the fatigue factor and the injury risk that they seem to be at a higher one. Arizona, to me, I just felt if they fell out of bed, they were going to have a better year than they did last year. They were, everything that could go wrong did. Uh, now Shelby Miller just went, you know, temporary yeah. on the DL. But but I felt the moves they didn't make were the best moves they made because this team can hit. 
They have to. They have to get better pitching. They're getting it already, and they're going to start feeling their way back into this thing, um, feeling like they want to be part of the conversation. Uh, so I think they're the most sustainable scenario. Uh, does that mean I think they're going to win the division? No, but I think they could honestly push to the end and, and fight for a playoff spot, uh, given the fact that Granky's Granky and, and uh, you know Shelby's a, a half a better what what he was last year, and the young pitchers start maturing. So. I, I like uh, early on. I like Arizona. Talking with John Smoltz, of course, the uh, great pitcher for the Braves, who uh, is on MLB Network. Uh, John will call the Cubs and the Red Sox this weekend, which is going to be a fun series. Obviously, uh, that'll be Friday night. You can see him on MLB uh, tonight. Um, John, how long does it take? And it could be already. You got a guy in Milwaukee, a thirty-year-old rookie. He's got 10, 10 home runs already. Uh, t- uh, Eric Thames has got 10 home runs. He comes out of nowhere, he's got 10 home runs. How long before the league or the pitchers start talking about a guy like that? And what's the conversation when they he- see a guy put up 10 home runs in April? Well, every pitcher that's going to get ready to face him is going to watch the previous pitchers and what they haven't been able to do, and that's execute pitches. Uh, he is like an advantage. I mean, fair or not, I mean, it's hard to say. You could hit seven home runs already against one team, but that's what he's done. The ball ballpark he plays in and the ballpark Cincinnati plays in, very conducive for guys taking advantage of mistakes. And so far, the pitchers have not been able to make the proper pitches. But give him credit. He's exposed some things, and now it's time for pitchers to be able to expose some things on the other side. It only takes one or two pitchers to find a crack. And I love this about baseball that is going away. Pitchers can no longer command, but their stuff is phenomenal. So when you talk about a hitter like, let's just say, Anthony Rizzo, I think he's saying to the rest of the league, there isn't a bunch of pitchers out there that can paint three pitchers on the inner inner part of the plate, so I'm taking it away. And I'm going to hit three or four inches off the plate. And today, if you're a hitter that just swings for the fences or at least swings and misses a lot, you're preying on the mistakes because you're basically saying, I don't think there's enough pitchers out there that can command to my weak spot that it will expose me over the length of a season where I have to adjust. So we're going to see. Uh, we're going to wait to see if someone can do that on a consistent basis. When you get a guy like Harper's going right now, what do you do? Now, everyone has always, I believe, they, uh, said they try to get him up and away is where he has some trouble. Goes down and in, forget. I mean, anything low, we know. But what would you do with him right now? Would you just stay away from him completely? Would you challenge him? And, uh, you know, because there are pitchers like on the Mets who uh, had had good success against him, but he came in here this past week and he was a different hitter and he was wrecking them. Yeah, he's healthy, and he's staying off of some of those pitches that you talked about he typically would go after. And last year was another one of those years where physically I don't think he was great. The the, this, the Cubs definitely took something away from him with 13 walks in a weekend, kind of got in his head a little bit. But physically he wasn't as good, fouled off some pitches he could have put in play. I've always said when a guy's like him, and, and fair or not, getting closer to a Barry Bonds-type uh, atmosphere – yeah, being careful is the, the operative word, but being able to make your pitches and get him, him in a situation where it's not always 2-0-2-1-3-1, I credit him. He's 24. He, he is human still. He has, he has places where you can go get him out. It's, again, I don't think there's enough pitchers that can do that. Um, the Clayton Kershaws of the world, the guys that's on his team, uh, Scherzer, there's the bum garners. Those are the guys who over time know how to get and expose a hitter. But right now, the reason he is going to have a, such a great year, if Daniel Murphy and That's now it. Zimmerman yep. 
keep doing what they're doing, you you have no other option. And he's going to beat you on the bases, by the way. Harper will take some bases if you continue to put him in a situation. And if you walk him, the one thing is Murphy's, uh, you know, I don't know people get into the power, which he's had the last years, but Murphy, you know, he doesn't miss the ball. He swings and hits the ball every time he swings. I mean, that's the thing. He doesn't swing and miss. Yeah, I'm getting ready to do something here on uh, MLB Now where we talk about everyone's falling in love with uh, exit velocity and this new age of what, you know, average exit velocity off the bat. I'm not into that as much because when you've got a guy that's got a 97.8 exit velocity average leading the league but striking out half the times, that actually is about a 54 exit velocity because they don't take exit velocity when you swing and miss. A guy like Mookie Betts or a guy like Daniel Murphy who only has single-digit strikeouts, there's more value to me because their exit velocity means more to me because his ability to put the ball in play is greater. Remarkable how he does this, just does not miss the baseball. And now if you throw him a pitch low and it strikes on, you're out of your mind. I mean, that's all there is to it because he has grooved that. He has turned that into his power thing. Is if he, he just grooves that low pitch. What I find most amazing and for, for, for the future of young players making transformation or older players making transformation, he is living proof that one month – that everyone thought is not sustainable. He's unlocked some keys. He is a different person. He is a legitimate feared hitter that, you know, arguably was an MVP winner last year had it not been for Bryant's incredible and Cubs run. It is amazing to me that you can make that transformation, go to another team, haunt your your former team like I have never seen, and just continue this stretch for a long period of time. It's it's tribute to his work ethic and philosophical change. And, of course, Kevin Long has something to do with that. We're talking, yeah, Long had a lot to do with it, no question. We're talking with John Smoltz. Uh, the Yankees will see Smoltz tomorrow night. Uh, then the Cubs will probably see him Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So now they won't see him. But the point is, he has been unbelievable. 42 strikeouts uh, in 29 innings. Uh, his whip is point seven. He's now on a good team. Uh, we know what he can do. How about uh, uh, Sale right now? Sale's best pitcher in the game right now, as he's, as he's shown the first four starts. Um, look, that, that term's going to be changed throughout the year. It's going to be given universally to Clayton Kershaw. But what Chris Sale is doing and the ability that he has become a better pitcher in this regard. Look, two years ago, he could strike out 13, 14, 15 any time he wanted, strike out 10 in a row. You know, he had 10 starts or whatever that was of 10 strikeouts yep. in a row. And, and he wasn't as good a pitcher. And people go, what do you mean? He said, because on the bad team, he was just going for certain statistics that weren't really giving the team the best chance to win because he had a weird year. He had a higher ERA, high strikeout total. And then last year, even talking to him at the All-Star break, he said, I need to pitch more innings. And I can get my pitches down and not strike as many guys out and go deeper in the game. That's better for my team. Now he's at that elite level. Now he is going to pitch 230, 240, depending on what they use him in Boston. And he is a guy that can strike out 13 if he needs to, but he commands the strike zone. He's an intimidating figure. And if they would just score him a couple runs, obviously he'd be 4-0. Four, four oh. um, they just haven't scored him any runs. Well, on that team, though, they will. And if he, yeah. and if he does what he can normally do, he can win a, ba- a game when he's off 6-3. He'll, no doubt. He can have fun games like that. I mean, he can give up a couple of runs, stay in the game, and still come back and win the game. And that's why everyone kind of crowned Boston as a favorite because they had Price, Sale, Purcello. All of a sudden you start putting these kind of years together and you go, whoa, this is a formidable starting pitching rotation. Well, with Price being out and only Sale really being a dominant force, Purcello, you know, he'll get back. But it's an interesting dynamic when you think about how the East can be won 
based on the perception of what Boston did in the offseason as uh, maybe in most people's minds a favorite, but their starting staff and their lack of power a little bit, the big poppy missing, there's still some cracks there. And, um, you know, they haven't hit on all cylinders yet. And the Orioles have gotten off to a great start. Now they've had some injuries. They also don't have a whole lot. I know Bundy's pitching well, but they don't have a whole lot of starting pitching that's, you know, too good. They want to beat you with their bullpen and their power and beat you in tight games. You know, that's how they believe in it with Buck. They're doing a good job right now. They are, and they have a very underrated bullpen. I know Buck great uses bullpen. that bullpen, yeah. bullpen like nobody else. Britain a little bit on the DL here, so that's going to be interesting to see how they, they, they close the gap there. Baltimore is an amazing scenario. It, it does defy logic. Yep. Uh, You've got to have more starting pitching innings than they've been getting, but they've been finding a way. I don't know if that window that window could close really quickly if they don't find some young pitchers to be able to do those things. Believe me, they want it. They want pitchers to go seven, eight innings, but they just haven't found the right formula for that to happen, and they have back-ended their bullpen about as good as the Yankees uh, have done and uh, as good as anybody else. They're the closest thing to the the Kansas City Royals when you talk about choices that Buck has. Yeah, they do, and luckily if they get Bundy to pitch well, like he's, you know, everyone's been waiting for him for a long time. If he pitches like he's pitching now, that's going to give him a big lift. It, it, very much so, and look, I, I've said this for the last five years. We don't prepare our young pitchers when they come to the big leagues to be big league ready. We actually use the big leagues as a version of the minor leagues because of the inning limits and because of the straps we put on them. It's, it's kind of a flawed system, but it is the system. It's a financially cheaper system. You're trying to get more than you can than you expect for young, dynamic, hard-throwing arms, and yet their pitches suffer because they're not able to de- 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 develop them without the pressure of big league games. That's what's happening, and so the ones that can rise quicker are the ones in the teams that are going to benefit. But you got to have to deal with it because, much like every pitcher that comes up, oh, he can only throw 160. Next year he can only throw 175. Next year, maybe by the fourth year, you get a big league pitcher that you can count on for 35 starts. You know, it doesn't work. Uh, and you know what? I don't even think it should be continued for this reason. If they weren't getting hurt, I'd buy it. But they're all getting hurt anyway, so how is it working if they're all getting hurt? You have said the thing I've been saying, and all these analytics smart people, and I'm not saying there aren't a lot of them, there are a lot of them, nobody is addressing the rate of entry that we're happening. You know why? Because there's too many, in their mind, pitchers coming behind them. It's not a philosophy that cares about a young pitcher pitching seven years for an organization. You don't hear that anymore. And that is the one thing that has always been my biggest pet peeve. The injury rate's going up, it ain't going down, and yet we've got a smarter philosophy and we've got a better way to do it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. So to me, there's a better way to do this now. I don't know what it is. You know, you would have a better idea. I mean, but the the bottom line is, whatever it is, somebody should try something else because whatever it is, and a lot of people say, don't baby them. You know, let you know, actually give them some tough love. Like I think with the Met pitches this year, you got to get to a point with their big pitches this far into their development and where they are as a franchise where you got to take the basically you got to take the huggies off and let them pitch you got to Here, let them go here's what nobody talks about and i hate this cop out answer well the three of you guys were hall of famers 
No, that's BS. There's nobody that could have predicted in the first three years that we were going to be Hall of Famers. But you know what we did? We threw two times in between every start. You know what else we did? We stayed healthy for 10 straight years. We threw twice in between starts, made all our starts, and threw 250 innings. The biggest problem, And played golf in the morning. And played golf and did the things we had to do. The biggest problem today is we're teaching factory machines to throw as hard as they can, not developing them, because we don't have to. It's harder to develop than it is to say, here's a guy that can throw pretty hard and we can hide him for four innings, and then we got another guy that could throw pretty hard, hide him for an inning, and just do that process, hit, repeat every single time. So it's a cheaper, easier, and less work that has actually a less long-time effect. There's no long-term effect for this. So that's the thing that drives me crazy. I think you're 100% right. If I went into an organization and I said, okay, just take the Mets hypothetically, for example, and I said to those young young studs, okay, guys, we need to throw 70 to 60% in between your starts, they'd look at me like, what are you talking about? Because it's not something that's being taught to them because the mindset from youth baseball on is, revolution, spin rate, throw as hard as you can. This is how you get to the big leagues. Oh, by the way, the young pitchers that are in college that are great pitchers but only throw 88, sorry, you don't get drafted. That's why Kyle Hendricks is such a hero to so many people if he can sustain what he's doing. Marco Estrada, Vargas, guys who are throwing under average velocity speed and having success this year, there will come a point where high-velocity hitters get used to, and the trick pitches, the change-ups, and the junk baller, which is a rare, will be able to go back to hit, make, making hitters look silly again. Hey, if I had a team, what I would do is I would go back and I would take the Atlanta Braves and I would get everybody together and I would go over everything you guys did from when you came to the majors, including if you are not a contender right away, let the guys go out there and figure out how to get out of jams. Let them go out there and figure out how to pitch, take their lumps. I saw your guys take their lumps. I saw them battle out of games. I saw you guys get beat up and have losing records. You learn from that stuff. That's how you guys became top pitchers. That's exactly right. And if you look at our staff, the reality is I was really the only hard thrower. We had a guys that mastered the, the, the ability to pitch. They stayed healthier. Now, you can't have a whole staff of right. that. But if you mix in, if you, don't, you don't need five guys like that. If your front two, three guys are power guys and you've got two established guys in the pen that are, are in the rotation that are going to give you 200 innings, that's an unbelievable And you had blend. four, and Avery was still a very good pitcher. You're he right. Had, he had and a very good career. He did, and 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 I and I and I I continue to say, and everyone goes, although well, you guys were outliers because you know you would. I don't buy it. I don't. I don't either. I think the system we were under, we thrived in. It kept us healthy. The mindset was different. Nobody told us in the minors we couldn't throw innings. Nobody said you had to come out because of ninety pitches, and none of us emptied the tank. Maddox threw ninety-five. They tried to make him a four-seam curveball guy. It didn't work. He lost 16, 17 games. So they turned, he learned how to sink the ball and cut the ball and use a tremendous changeup. Glavin lost 17 games. He could throw 92, 93, but he learned how to change it up. He learned how to sink the ball. For me, I was wild. I learned how to command the ball. But I was given the opportunity well beyond what anybody else today. I'll ask you this, and I think the answer is pretty easy. Do you think there will ever be another 2-11 first-half starting pitcher in this game that gets to continue to be a starting pitcher? Nope. I was 2-11 in 91, yep. 
and I was able to continue to work my way through it. And obviously in 91, the rest was history. That's what's happening. Branded quickly, get it or not. If you don't, go in the pen, and we'll be able to be able to use move the you next the guy in. Next Correct. guy in, and you go to pitch. Before that, you go to you go pitch the sixth inning and the seventh inning, and Correct. you're gone. And that's the truth. And you know they don't develop pitchers. There's no mentality, even with teams that aren't contending. There's no mentality to develop pitchers it's like next next yep. next and it's not working i'm telling you they should go back to the most successful team we've seen in modern times and trace everything you guys did including how much golf you guys played as a group in the morning i don't care what it was whether you threw the days you threw how you did it your approach everything because look what it harvested three hall of famous in four pitchers and the and look at the careers we're talking yeah. about it's unbelievable Yep, I, I totally agree. And even in the own day and era, now we're kind of removed. I've had one pitcher, one, since I've retired from the Atlanta Braves organization, ask me one question. That's insane. It's just so. It's just. It's just so stupid. It's. It, it's. It almost boggles the mind. It really does. But that just. It's. It tells you a lot. It really does. Yep. Thanks for a couple of minutes. Appreciate it, John. You got Thank it. you, All John. Right. John Smoltz.